0: Chapter 39 of Supplements to the Third Book, from The World as Will and Idea, Volume 3, by Arthur Schopenhauer. Translated by R. B. Haldane and J. Kemp, this LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter 39. On the Metaphysics of Music the outcome or result of my exposition of the peculiar significance of this wonderful art which is given in the passage of the first volume referred to below and which will here be present to the mind of the reader was that there is indeed no resemblance between its productions and the world as idea that is, the world of nature but yet there must be a distinct parallelism which was then also proved i have yet to add some fuller particulars with regard to this parallelism which are worthy of attention the four voices or parts of all harmony the bass the tenor the alto and the soprano or the fundamental note the third the fifth and the octave correspond to the four grades in the series of existences the mineral kingdom the vegetable kingdom the brute kingdom and man this receives an additional and striking confirmation in the fundamental rule of music that the base must be at a much greater distance below the three upper parts than they have between themselves so that it must never approach nearer to them than at the most within an octave of them and generally remains still further below them hence then the correct triad has its place in the third octave from the fundamental note accordingly the effect of extended harmony in which the base is widely separated from the other parts is much more powerful and beautiful than that of close harmony, in which it is moved up nearer to them, and which is only introduced on account of the limited compass of the instruments. This whole rule, however, is by no means arbitrary, but has its root in the natural source of the tonal system. For the nearest consonant intervals that sound along with the fundamental note by means of its vibrations are the octave and its fifth now in this rule we recognise the analogue of the fundamental characteristic of nature on account of which organised beings are much more nearly related to each other than to the inanimate unorganised mass of the mineral kingdom between which and them exists the most definite boundary and the widest gulf in the whole of nature the fact that the high voice which sings the melody is yet also an integral part of the harmony and therein accords even with the deepest fundamental base may be regarded as the analogue of the fact that the same matter which in a human organism is the supporter of the idea of man must yet also exhibit and support the ideas of gravitation and chemical qualities that is, of the lowest grades of the objectification of will that music acts directly upon the will that is, the feelings passions and emotions of the hearer so that it quickly raises them or changes them may be explained from the fact that unlike all the other arts it does not express the ideas or grades of the objectification of the will but directly the will itself as surely as music far from being a mere accessory of poetry is an independent art nay the most powerful of all the arts and therefore attains its ends entirely with means of its own so surely does it not stand in need of the words of the song or the action of an opera music as such knows the tones or notes alone but not the causes which produce these accordingly for it even the human voice is originally and essentially nothing else than a modified tone just like that of an instrument and like every other tone it has the special advantages and disadvantages which are a consequence of the instrument that produces it now in this case that this same instrument as the organ of speech also serves to communicate conceptions as an accidental circumstance which music can certainly also make use of in order to enter into a connection with poetry but it must never make this the principal matter and concern itself entirely with the expression of what for the most part nay as diderot gives us to understand in le nouveau de rameau essentially are insipid verses the words are and remain for the music a foreign addition of subordinate value for the effect of the tones is incomparably more powerful more infallible and quicker than that of the words therefore if words become incorporated in music they must yet assume an entirely subordinate position and adapt themselves completely to it but the relation appears reversed in the case of the given poetry thus the song or the libretto of an opera to which music is adapted for the art of music at once shows in these its power and higher fitness disclosing the most profound ultimate and secret significance of the feeling expressed in the words or the action presented in the opera giving utterance to their peculiar and true nature and teaching us the inmost soul of the actions and events whose mere clothing and body is set before us on the stage With regard to this superiority of the music, and also because it stands to the libretto and the action in the relation of the universal to the particular, of the rule to the example, it might perhaps appear more fitting that the libretto should be written for the music than that the music should be composed for the libretto. However, in the customary method, the words and actions of the libretto lead the composer to the affections of the will which lie at their foundation and call up in him the feelings to be expressed. They act therefore as a means of exciting his musical imagination. Moreover, that the addition of poetry to music is so welcome to us and a song with intelligible words gives us such deep satisfaction depends upon the fact that in this way our most direct and most indirect ways of knowing are called into play at once and in connection. The most direct is that for which music expresses the emotions of the will itself and the most indirect that of conceptions denoted by words when the language of the feelings is in question the reason does not willingly sit entirely idle music is certainly able with the means at its own disposal to express every movement of the will every feeling but by the addition of words we receive besides these the objects of these feelings the motives which occasion them the music of an opera as it is presented in the score has a completely independent separate and as it were abstract existence for itself to which the incidents and persons of the piece are foreign and which follows its own unchanging rules therefore it can produce its full effect without the libretto but this music since it was composed with reference to the drama is as it were the soul of the latter for in its connection with the incidents persons and words it becomes the expression of the inner significance of all those incidents and of their ultimate and secret necessity which depends upon this significance the pleasure of the spectator unless he is a mere gaper really depends upon an indistinct feeling of this yet in the opera music also shows its heterogeneous nature and higher reality by its entire indifference to the whole material of the incidents in consequence of which it everywhere expresses the storm of the passions and the pathos of the feelings in the same way and its tones accompany the piece with the same pomp whether agamemnon and achilles or the dissensions of a bourgeois family form its material for only the passions the movements of the will exist for it and like god it sees only the hearts it never assimilates itself to the natural and therefore even when it accompanies the most ludicrous and extravagant farces of the comic opera it still preserves its essential beauty purity and sublimity and its fusion with these incidents is unable to draw it down from its height to which all absurdity is really foreign thus the profound and serious significance of our existence hangs over the farce and the endless miseries of human life and never leaves it for a moment if we now cast a glance at purely instrumental music a symphony of beethoven presents to us the greatest confusion which yet has the most perfect order at its foundation the most vehement conflict which is transformed the next moment into the most beautiful concord it is rerum concordia discors a true and perfect picture of the nature of the world which rolls on in the boundless maze of innumerable forms and through constant destruction supports itself but in this symphony all human passions and emotions also find utterance joy sorrow love hatred terror hope etc in innumerable degrees yet all as it were only in abstracto and without any particularization it is their mere form without the substance like a spirit world without matter certainly we have a tendency to realize them while we listen to clothe them in imagination with flesh and bones and to see in them scenes of life and nature on every hand yet taken generally this is not required for their comprehension or enjoyment but rather imparts to them a foreign and arbitrary addition therefore it is better to apprehend them in their immediacy and purity since now in the foregoing remarks and also in the text i have considered music only from the metaphysical side that is with reference to the inner significance of its performances it is right that i should now also subject to a general consideration the means by which acting upon our mind it brings these about therefore that i should show the connection of that metaphysical side of music and the physical side which has been fully investigated and is well known i start from the theory which is generally known and has by no means been shaken by recent objections that all harmony of the notes depends upon the coincidence of their vibrations which when two notes sound together occurs perhaps at every second or at every third or at every fourth vibration according to which then they are the octave the fifth or the fourth of each other and so on so long as the vibrations of two notes have a rational relation to each other which can be expressed in small numbers they can be connected together in our apprehension through their constantly recurring coincidence the notes become blended and are thereby in consonance if on the other hand that relation is an irrational one or one which can only be expressed in larger numbers then no coincidence of the vibrations which can be apprehended occurs But obstrepunt sibi perpetuo whereby they resist being joined together in our apprehension and accordingly are called a dissonance now according to this theory music is a means of making rational and irrational relations of numbers comprehensible not like arithmetic by the help of the concept but by bringing them to a knowledge which is perfectly directly and simultaneously sensible now the connection of the metaphysical significance of music with this its physical and arithmetical basis depends upon the fact that what resists our apprehension the irrational relation or the dissonance becomes the natural type of what resists our will and conversely the consonance or the rational relation which easily adapts itself to our apprehension becomes the type of the satisfaction of the will and further since that rational and irrational element in the numerical relations of the vibrations admits of innumerable degrees shades of different sequences and variations by means of it music becomes the material in which all the movements of the human heart that is of the will movements whose essential nature is always satisfaction and dissatisfaction although in innumerable degrees can be faithfully portrayed and rendered in all their finest shades and modifications which takes place by means of the invention of the melody thus we see here the movements of the will transferred to the province of the mere idea which is the exclusive scene of the achievements of the fine arts for they absolutely demand that the will itself shall not interfere and that we shall conduct ourselves as pure-knowing subjects therefore the affections of the will itself thus actual pain and actual pleasure must not be excited but only their substitutes that which is agreeable to the intellect as a picture of the satisfaction of the will and that which is more or less repugnant to it as a picture of greater or less pain only thus does music never cause us actual sorrow but even in its most melancholy strains is still pleasing and we gladly hear in its language the secret history of our will and all its emotions and strivings with their manifold protractions hindrances and griefs even in the saddest melodies when on the other hand in reality and its terrors it is our will itself that is roused and tormented we have not then to do with tones and their numerical relations but are rather now ourselves the trembling string that is stretched and twanged but further because in consequence of the physical theory which lies at its foundation the musical quality of the notes is in the proportion of the rapidity of their vibrations but not in their relative strength the musical ear always follows by preference in harmony the highest note not the loudest therefore even in the case of the most powerful orchestral accompaniment the soprano comes out clearly and thus receives a natural right to deliver the melody and this is also supported by its great flexibility which depends upon the same rapidity of the vibrations and shows itself in the ornate passages whereby the soprano becomes a suitable representative of the heightened sensibility susceptible to the slightest impression and determinable by it consequently of the most highly developed consciousness standing on the uppermost stage of the scale of being its opposite from converse causes is the base inflexible, rising and falling only in great intervals, thirds, fourths, and fifths, and also at every step guided by rigid rules. It is therefore the natural representative of the inorganic kingdom of nature, which is insensible, insusceptible to fine impressions, and only determinable according to general laws. It must indeed never rise by one tone, for example from a fourth to a fifth, for this produces in the upper parts the incorrect consecutive fifths and octaves therefore originally and in its own nature it can never present the melody if however the melody is assigned to it this happens by means of counterpoint that is it is an inverted bass one of the upper parts is lowered and disguised as a bass properly speaking it then requires a second fundamental bass as its accompaniment this unnaturalness of a melody lying in the bass is the reason why bass airs with full accompaniment never afford us pure undisturbed pleasure like the soprano air which in the connection of harmony is alone natural we may remark in passing that such a melodious bass forcibly obtained by inversion might in keeping with our metaphysic of music be compared to a block of marble to which the human form has been imparted and therefore it is wonderfully suitable to the stone guest in don juan but now we shall try to get somewhat nearer the foundation of the genesis of melody which can be accomplished by analysing it into its constituent parts and in any case will afford us the pleasure which arises from bringing to abstract and distinct consciousness what every one knows in the concrete so that it gains the appearance of novelty Melody consists of two elements, the one rhythmical, the other harmonious. The former may also be described as the quantitative, the latter as the qualitative element, since the first is concerned with the duration and the second with the pitch of the notes. In the writing of music, the former depends upon the perpendicular and the latter upon the horizontal lines. Purely arithmetical relations, thus relations of time, lie at the foundation of both in the one case the relative duration of the notes in the other the relative rapidity of their vibrations the rhythmical element is the essential for it can produce a kind of melody of itself alone and without the other as for example on the drum yet complete melody requires both elements it consists in an alternating disunion and reconciliation of them as i shall show immediately but first since i have already spoken of the harmonious element in what has been said i wish to consider the rhythmical element somewhat more closely rhythm is in time what symmetry is in space division into equal parts corresponding to each other first into larger parts which again fall into smaller parts subordinate to the former in the series of the arts given by me architecture and music are the two extreme ends moreover according to their inner nature their power the extent of their spheres and their significance they are the most heterogeneous indeed true antipodes this opposition extends even to the form of their appearance for architecture is in space alone without any connection with time and music is in time alone without any connection with space now hence springs their one point of analogy that as in architecture that which orders and holds together is symmetry in music it is rhythm and thus here also it holds true that extremes meet as the ultimate constituent parts of a building are the exactly similar stones so the ultimate constituent parts of a musical composition are the exactly similar beats yet by being weak or strong or in general by the measure which denotes the species of time these are divided into equal parts which may be compared to the dimensions of the stone the musical period consists of several bars and it has also two equal parts one rising aspiring generally going to the dominant and one sinking quieting returning to the fundamental note two or several periods constitute a part which in general is also symmetrically doubled by the sign of repetition two parts make a small piece of music or only a movement of a larger piece and thus a concerto or sonata usually consists of three movements a symphony of four and a mass of five thus we see the musical composition bound together and rounded off as a whole by symmetrical distribution and repeated division down to the beats and their fractions with thorough subordination superordination and coordination of its members just as a building is connected and rounded off by its symmetry only in the latter that is exclusively in space which in the former is exclusively in time the mere feeling of this analogy has in the last thirty years called forth the oft-repeated daring witticism that architecture is frozen music the origin of this can be traced to goethe For according to Eckermann's Conversations, volume two, page eighty eight, he said, I have found among my papers a page on which I call architecture a rigidified music. And really there is something in it. The mood which is produced by architecture approaches the effect of music. Probably he let fall this witticism much earlier in conversation, and in that case it is well known that there were never wanting persons to pick up what he so let fall that they might afterwards go about decked with it for the rest whatever goethe may have said the analogy of music and architecture which is here referred by me to its sole ground the analogy of rhythm with symmetry extends accordingly only to the outward form and by no means to the inner nature of the two arts which is entirely different indeed it would be absurd to wish to put on the same level in essential respects the most limited and the weakest of all the arts and the most far-reaching and powerful as an amplification of the analogy pointed out we might add further that when music as it were in a fit of desire for independence seizes the opportunity of a pause to free itself from the control of rhythm to launch out into the free imagination of an ornate cadenza such a piece of music divested of all rhythm is analogous to the ruin which is divested of symmetry and which accordingly may be called in the bold language of the witticism a frozen cadenza after this exposition of rhythm i have now to show how the nature of melody consists in the constantly renewed disunion and reconciliation of the rhythmical and the harmonious elements of it its harmonious element has as its assumption the fundamental note as the rhythmical element has a species of time and consists in a wandering from it through all the notes of the scale until by shorter or longer digressions it reaches a harmonious interval generally the dominant or subdominant which affords it an incomplete satisfaction and then follows by a similarly long path its return to the fundamental note with which complete satisfaction appears but both must so take place that the attainment of the interval referred to and the return to the fundamental note correspond with certain favourite points of the rhythm otherwise it will not work thus as the harmonious succession of sounds requires certain notes first of all the tonic next to it the dominant and so on so rhythm on its part requires certain points of time certain numbered bars and certain parts of these bars which are called strong or good beats or the accented parts of the bar in opposition to the weak or bad beats or unaccented parts of the bar now the disunion of these two fundamental elements consists in this that because the demand of one is satisfied that of the other is not and their reconciliation consists in this that both are satisfied at once and together that wandering of the notes until they find a more or less harmonious interval must so take place that this interval is attained only after a definite number of bars and also at an accented part of the bar and in this way becomes for it a kind of resting-point and similarly the return to the keynote must take place after a like number of bars and also at an accented part of the bar and thus complete satisfaction is then attained so long as this required coincidence of the satisfaction of both elements is not attained the rhythm on the one hand may follow its regular course and on the other hand the required notes may occur often enough but yet they will remain entirely without that effect through which melody arises the following very simple example may serve to illustrate this here the harmonious sequence of notes finds the keynote just at the end of the first bar but it does not receive any satisfaction from this because the rhythm is caught at the least accented part of the bar immediately afterwards in the second bar the rhythm has the accented part of the bar but the sequence of notes has arrived at the seventh thus here the two elements of melody are entirely disunited and we feel disquieted in the second half of the period everything is reversed and in the last note they are reconciled this kind of thing can be shown in every melody although generally in a much more extended form now the constant disunion and reconciliation of its two elements which there takes place is when metaphysically considered the copy of the origination of new wishes and then of their satisfaction thus by flattery music penetrates into our hearts for it presents the image of the complete satisfaction of its wishes more closely considered we see in this procedure of melody a condition which to a certain extent is inward the harmonious meet with an outward condition the rhythmical as if by an accident which is certainly brought about by the composer and which may so far be compared to rhyme and poetry but this is just the copy of the meeting of our wishes with the favourable outward circumstances which are independent of them and is thus the picture of happiness the effect of the suspension also deserves to be considered here it is a dissonance which delays the final consonance which is awaited with certainty and thus the longing for it is strengthened and its appearance satisfies all the more clearly an analogue of the heightened satisfaction of the will through delay the complete cadence requires the preceding chord of the seventh on the dominant because the most deeply felt satisfaction and the most entire relief can only follow the most earnest longing thus in general music consists of a constant succession of more or less disquieting chords that is chords which excite longing and more or less quieting and satisfying chords just as the life of the heart the will is a constant succession of greater or less disquietude through desire and aversion, and just as various degrees of relief. Accordingly, the harmonious sequence of chords consists of the correct alternation of dissonance and consonance. A succession of merely consonant chords would be satiating, wearisome and empty, like the languor produced by the satisfaction of all wishes. Therefore, dissonances must be introduced although they disquiet us and affect us almost painfully but only in order to be resolved again in consonances with proper preparation indeed in the whole of music there are really only two fundamental chords the dissonant chord of the seventh and the consonant triad to which all chords that occur can be referred this just corresponds to the fact that for the will there are at bottom only dissatisfaction and satisfaction under however many forms they may present themselves and as there are two general fundamental moods of the mind serenity or at least healthiness and sadness or even oppression so music has two general keys the major and the minor which correspond to these and it must always be in one of the two but it is in fact very wonderful that there is a sign of pain which is neither physically painful nor yet conventional but which nevertheless is suitable and unmistakable the minor from this we may measure how deeply music is founded in the nature of things and of man with northern nations whose life is subject to hard conditions especially with the russians the minor prevails even in the church music allegro in the minor is very common in french music and is characteristic of it it is as if one danced while one's shoe pinched i add further a few subsidiary remarks when the keynote is changed and with it the value of all the intervals in consequence of which the same note figures as the second the third the fourth and so on the notes of the scale are analogous to actors who must assume now one role now another while their person remains the same that the actors are often not precisely suited to these roles may be compared to the unavoidable impurity of every harmonic system referred to at the end of section fifty two of the first volume which the equal temperament has introduced perhaps some may be offended that according to this metaphysic of it music which so often exalts our minds which seems to us to speak of other and better worlds than ours yet really only flatters the will to live because it exhibits to it its nature, deludes it with the image of its success, and at the end expresses its satisfaction and contentment. The following passage from the Vedas may serve to quiet such doubts etenan srup quod forma gaudi est ton pram atma ex hoc dicunt quod quocunque loco gaudium est particula e gaudio eius est end of chapter thirty nine end of supplements to the third book recording by expatriate in bangor maine